Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Uh, I wanted to share a verse of scripture with you as the band comes up. Uh, and it's from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, the book that we're, we're walking through. Now, Paul shares this verse uh, with people after encouraging them to put on God's spiritual armor. He's like, you're in a spiritual battle. You need to put on spiritual armor. You need to be prepared for fight. And then he says, hey, um, pray in the Holy Spirit. You, I mean, you're in a spiritual battle, so use spiritual resources. Pray in the Holy Spirit. And then he says this. He says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. We're walking through uh, one of his prison epistles, Ephesians. And he says, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So first, yeah, we need to pray. One of the most valuable resources that God gives to the people of God, we need to be in prayer. Uh, but here's the other thing, and, and I'm going to say this selfishly, because uh, I often ask for prayers for me, like pray my books sell, keep praying that because I want them to sell. Uh, when Christy and I were praying for a second car, I asked you guys to pray for that. Granted, I said pray for a Tesla, but some of you didn't, so we didn't get a Tesla. But here's the thing. I'm an introvert who doesn't like to talk to people, but I'm also a pastor who's supposed to talk to people. So I ask you guys the same thing, to pray for me that I would fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. And here's the thing, um, and, and, and this is why we don't do as many, and hopefully we'll start doing more uh, again, but we used to do a lot before the pandemic. Uh, we used to do a lot of events with other congregations, and I would ask you guys to, like, beg you guys to please show up, um, not just so that we would have people there. It's because I don't like talking in front of people I don't know. So I would start sweating. Uh, I refused to do any events where I had to hold a hand microphone because my hands would shake, which looked really weird if you're trying to, you know, share the gospel. Um, so the only thing that helped is if I see, oh, Kevin and Bonnie are there. I could take a deep breath. I could stop sweating. Oh, Beth is there. I feel a little bit more comfortable now because even though there's a bunch of people I don't know, there's one or two people I do know. And even though I do know them, I still am an introvert and don't like talking to people. So I am praying this prayer and asking you guys, I, seriously, on my prayer list, it's like, hey, God, help me to talk to people more about you. And then there's a whole separate one that just says, help me like people more, because I'm not a fan of people in general, because sometimes people are mean. But pray this for me. Pray this for other pastors. Pray this for the people of God who are filled with the Spirit of God, that whenever we talk to people, whenever we post, whenever we see, that's why I make so many videos, because there's no one else in the room, and I can just blah, spit stuff out. But when Christy comes walking by, I'm like, okay, let me start that over and wait till she is gone because I don't like talking in front of people. But pray this for us, for the people of God, that we fearlessly make known the gospel, that whenever we talk to people, it's not to belittle them 
or ridicule them or condemn them, but it's to share the love of Christ with them. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. Uh, God, we thank you for everything that you give to us. We praise you for all your human resources, your financial resources. We pray for all the blessings that you pour out on us, but we also pray that you would allow us to boldly and fearlessly proclaim the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and everyone said, amen. All right, as you are making your way back to your seats and getting situated, uh, this morning we're continuing in a series that we started, again, walking through the prison epistles, the letters that Paul wrote to the church, uh, and we're in the book of Ephesians, um, and a lot of what we already discussed, super important, uh, and just a quick recap, uh, last week uh, we talked about one of the themes of the book of Ephesians, which is salvation, right? You hear that term a lot, people throw it around, church folks, so uh, we decided, hey, we're going to break this down Sesame Street style, keep it very simple, uh, and we said that salvation, uh, according to what Paul wrote in the Bible, uh, that our salvation was predestined. It doesn't mean that God took away our choice, but because of his foreknowledge, because he exists outside of time and looked down and he was able to see all the choices we made before we made them, based on the choice we made, he didn't take away our choice, he made his decision based on our choice and predestined us to be adopted into his family. And then we said that the only way to experience that salvation is through Jesus, not because we want it to be that way, because that's the way that God said it would be. And then anyone who does experience that salvation, God gives them his Holy Spirit so that they know, they have a guarantee that they're his. Because uh, a lot of people look for, hey, if I take a step across that line of faith, I need a physical guarantee that God heard me, that God is real, that God heard my prayers, that I'm now in this relationship with God. But if you're doing this spiritual thing, you're not going to get a physical guarantee. So instead, God gives you a spiritual guarantee that you are aware of, and he gives you his Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So he talks about salvation, and then he uses another word that we're going to talk about in one of the themes of the book of Ephesians, which is sanctification. And these are all just big theological words, but sanctification basically uh, means that we are being purified. The sin, the things that we do, the choices we make that God's not happy about, he gives us his Holy Spirit, and when we go to make that choice again, his Holy Spirit says, ah, do you really want to do that? So when that person cuts you off and everyone responds with the same one-finger salute, this time the Holy Spirit says, do you really want to do that? Can't you just let it go? Now, some of us like me like, yeah, I really want to do that. Most of us, he's working in us, and we say, we're going to let it go. We're going to, okay, no need. He's moved on past it. We're just going to let it go. And that's what's being called made holy and made more like Christ so that the things that we do, the ways that we respond to stuff is more Christ-like. So let me ask you guys a question. Think about this. Think about an interaction you had in the last week, two weeks or whatever, that didn't go really well where you wish the person that you were interacting with 
may have or should have hopefully responded in a more Christ-like way. It would have made your interaction. Now, how many people have had interactions this week with people who were either hostile, angry, or, or something happened? Wow, that's a lot of folks. Okay, I thought there was going to be none, and I was going to have to give an example. There's a lot, but I'm going to give an example anyway, because that's what I do. So, if you have not, don't go watch this. Just Google it, but don't go watch it. There's a show called Customer Wars that Christy and I have started watching that will make you pray for people you don't even know. I mean, these are people who have just, they're losing their minds over, it's not like someone trying to rob you or hurt you and you're responding. It's like you have to wait an extra five minutes for your coffee. Someone got in front of you in the gas line. Have you ever been like at, uh, where is it? Uh, Sam's Club in the gas line and it's really long and you're waiting and then someone cuts in front of you. Most of us would do the one finger salute from our car and keep going. Some of us, the ones that God's working in, we just say that sucks and we just let it go. These people got out of their car, bashed windows, did all kind of stuff, argued. There was, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't going to share this, but I have to because it was funny. There were people in a buffet for crab legs. Who doesn't, we all love crab, yeah, crab legs. They were waiting 20 minutes for these crab legs. Somebody cut the line and a whole brawl, bra I mean, cups were flying, plates, people getting, it was, it was just over crab legs. And here's the thing. They were going to bring out more, but, the, I mean, these people just got hostile. And there were situations like that where we just wish, I just really wish, not just for myself, but also for other people, that we could respond to instances in a more godlike manner where we don't come from, you know, the places of anger and frustration that we normally respond to stuff with. And this is kind of what Paul is going to talk about uh, over like this week and a couple of weeks over sanctification and what that means and what that looks like and why God does it. So if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And if you don't, there should be one on the table or under your chair to the left or right or somewhere around you. And if not, just raise your hand. We'll have uh, someone bring you a Bible. And we're, we're starting in verse 15. And in verse 15, it says this, for this reason, and whenever you read through the passage of Scripture, we're, we're, we're kind of teaching through it, and so we're breaking it up. But when you see something like, for this reason, or therefore, you need to go see what that's about, and it's usually about all the things he just said. So when Paul says, for this reason, the reason is because of everything he just said about salvation, because you're God-honoring people who heard the word of truth, you believed it, you received the Holy Spirit of God, and he says, for this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, because we're supposed to love all the saints, not just the ones that think like us, same denomination as us, or whatever, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. 
And, and that's kind of what we need. In order to kind of like know God a little bit more, we need his spirit because then he reveals more and more about himself to us through his spirit. But he says this, I pray also, verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Because if we're the people of God, we're supposed to be the most hope-filled people on the planet. We're supposed to have hope where other people don't. When everything's crashing down around us, we're the people that are supposed to be, you know, I, I'm, I'm just praying, trusting, and hoping that things are going to get better. The hope in which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, which is not about the money, 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 right? It's about the blessings that God gives us, right? And his uncomparably great power for us who believe. That uncomparably means there's nothing that compares to it. He says that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So he's going to talk about um, this power of God he talks about it, I, th I think he uses the phrase like eight times. And when he says the power of God, he's talking about, he, it's, it's a word, uh, dynamos, from where we get the word dynamite, like explosive, miracle power. He says that power, not saying that everyone's going to be guaranteed that all of a sudden you're going to be like David Blaine, able to do miracles, all that stuff. But he says that same power is at work in you. And he says it's incomparable because there is nothing, absolutely nothing on earth like the power of God, and that same power is at work in the people of God. There is absolutely nothing on earth, nothing in the universe like the power of God, and that same power is at work in us, which is why when you see some people who are able to keep their cool and their calm and these outrageous situations, they're not just like, phenomenal people, some of them are Christians who God is working in, and the Holy Spirit is able to say, not just say, hey, are you, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that. They're actually listening to the Holy Spirit and saying, you know what, I'm just going to let this go. I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to get violent. I'm not going to go like crazy. Uh, turn over to chapter, or, or chapter 2, verse 1. Now, he says, as for you, and he's talking about Christians, he's talking to the Ephesians, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. That word dead means you were physically separated from God. God was the first person to coin a phrase, you're dead to me, right? You were dead in your transgressions. Nobody laughed at that. Come on. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, because we all used to live that way, when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. And here's what he says, before that power of God started working in you, all that we did was just give in to our sinful nature. Whatever our sinful nature wanted, that's what we did. If our sinful nature wanted to curse someone out, we cursed them out. 
If it wanted to smack someone, we smack someone. If it wanted this pleasure or that pleasure, and it, it was like, and I've, I've, I've said this before, Lord of the Flies, the, the TV version, because the book version is kind of boring, Lord of the Flies, like on steroids, where people just did whatever they wanted to the extreme to where they physically hurt one another. And that's one of the reasons why when you read about the wrath of God being poured out, it's because all of the people who don't have God's Holy Spirit, and I'm not saying every non-Christian is a bad person, but all of those people who want to give in to their natural, uh, sinful nature will do it, and they'll do it against other people, which is something that God doesn't want. He doesn't want people down here beating one another. He doesn't want uh, uh, men hurting women, women hurting men, uh, men or women hurting children. So he tries to say, hey, the power of the Holy Spirit can help you overcome your desire to be mean, to be evil, to do those types of things. And when the wrath of God, you see that phrase, the wrath of God, what that means is God should have poured out his wrath on us because we were enemies of God. But instead, instead, this is what he does in verse 4. But because of, even though we were objects of wrath and deserved his wrath, verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace, and that word grace just means the undeserved or unmerited favor, grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up, now he's talking about the apostles again, with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So he raised them up as an example so that you and I can look back and see that's what the mercy of God looks like. He says in verse 8, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works so that no one can boast. There is nothing that we can do to earn God's grace because we're, we're kind of like objects of the wrath of God because of our sinful nature. So since we can't earn it, God says, hey, there's nothing you can do to earn this. I am just going to give it to you even though you don't deserve it, not because you earned it, but just because I love you. So uh, he talks about grace. I mean, if you look through the Bible, it's used like, I think it's like, 100 to 200 times, a whole lot throughout the Bible. He uses it like 11 times here. That word grace, again, just means undeserved favor or mercifulness or the kindness of God. And that's what God gives to us. God gives us his grace. So, again, break all this down, Sesame Street, easy style. Sanctification is where the most powerful being in the universe, that's God shows us grace and mercy out of his love for us, even though we are enemies of God who deserve his wrath. And sanctification is where through that same power of God that he puts in us, because of his love, we now have the ability to treat other people the way that he treated us. Now, as, as, as we go through this process of being sanctified, being made more like Christ, 
We have the same power to do what God did. Those people who we think deserve nothing but our wrath, those people who we think deserve nothing but like an angry Facebook post, those people who we think deserve that we need to go slice their tires instead, we can show them the same undeserved grace that God showed us, not because we're that good, but because of God's power working in us. So now we have the ability to love those people who talk bad about us, who hate us because of whatever, uh, who may not like us because of the color of our skin or the church we go to or the car we drive or the fact that, you know, we're one of the few people on the planet who drinks mushroom coffee, whoever those folks are. All of those people that we want to talk bad about and ridicule and make fun of instead, we can just show grace and mercy to because that's what God did for us. I'm going to put the, the, the last couple of verses up on the screen, because this is important. He goes on in the verses before this that we're about to read, and he talks about the fact that that same sanctification process, although previously folks thought it was just for the Jewish people, he says it's not. It's for anyone who wants it, because God wants the Jewish people, the Gentile people, the Hindus, the butchers, the bakers, the magic uh, uh, candlestick makers or whatever, to all be united. And he says, consequently, you, those of us who are being sanctified, we're no longer foreigners and strangers, but we're fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. So those of us who, who may have uh, come from another country, it's not our nationality that separates us, but we're all citizens of Christ and his kingdom, despite our nationality. We're all members of his household, and it's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and that's basically saying the word of God, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone. And then he says this, in him, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He says, we are being built because we're not done yet. That's why sometimes we still may give the one-finger salute. Sometimes we still may type out the mean post to someone that, like, you know, took our lunch at work. Sometimes we may, yeah, let our dog poop on the neighbor's grass because he let his dog poop on our, I can say poop in church, right? Yeah, poop on because he let his dog poop on our, sometimes we may still react out of our own sinful human nature because we're still human. Because it's a process that's ongoing. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves that, hey, like Paul said, I used to be like that, but Floyd is not like that anymore. I want to show you this because uh, this, I don't know if you can see it up here. I hope it comes clear. And if not, I'm going to show you in a minute. Uh, this is a bookmark that I've had since 2002, 2001, 2002, over 20 years. It's still in my Bible. I still have it uh, today, um, and I still refer back to it because on it, again, I understand you guys can't see it, but on it, uh, it says at the very top uh, verses about to remind people, or remind me, that I am accepted by God. So one of it, it reminds me from uh, John that I'm God's child, that I have been justified, like we just talked about, from Ephesians, that I have been adopted as God's child. I'm a member of God's family. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that because when we see the things happening in the world or we see the things happening in our family or we see the things happening you know, uh, in our workplace, we can forget 
And it says, like, I am secure, talking about the fact that I am free from condemnation. God's never going to condemn me. He may correct me. He may tell me, hey, Floyd, you didn't get that right. But he's never going to condemn me. That already happened. We were condemned as guilty when we stepped across the line of faith, guilty of sinning against him. And when we stepped across the line of faith and said, you know what, I choose to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He says, okay, you're guilty, but your judgment, your penalty was paid for by Jesus Christ. And he also says, uh, this also reminds us, I don't know if you see it at the bottom. Did I? Yeah, that I'm significant, that I have been chosen and appointed as God's child, that I'm a member of God's family, that I am God's workmanship, meaning I'm not finished, God's still doing work in me, and he's not done with me yet. And it doesn't mean that we're better than the people in our families or communities or workplace or our neighborhood. It doesn't mean that we are up here and we should look down on the people in our families or our workplaces or our neighbors or our communities. What it does mean is that we can, even when they look down on us or think they're better than us, that we cannot judge, not hate, and not respond the way that they do to us. Because we have to remind ourselves, we're not like the world. We're not better than the world, but we are definitely different as God continues to work in us. So sometimes we have to put our focus on, rather than here's what Floyd wants to say, but hey God, what do you want me to do? How can I respond in a way that looks more like you and less like what Floyd would have done. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and we're going to just spend a moment in prayer because I want to pray these verses for all of you. And I'm going to ask you to bow your head, God. Our prayer is that we would remember this morning that we are your children. We are accepted by you. We are loved by you that we are adopted into your family, and we have direct access to you through your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would allow us to remember that we have been redeemed, we have been forgiven, and that we are being made into the image of your Son through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you allow us to remember that we were chosen by you, that we are part of a temple that you are building of all God's people, And that one day we will sit with you in the heavenly realm and give thanks to you in person for the love that you showed us that we did not deserve. And God, I pray that as we leave here this week, as we come across situations and people and instances where we want to respond with anger and with wrath and with maybe even physical violence, I pray that your Holy Spirit would allow us to respond with love and with mercy and with grace. The same thing that you did for us when we were enemies of you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, 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 amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.